Well, Happy New Year. It's good to be together this morning. Any kids in the room here this morning with us? Raise your hand. Yes, it's good to have you guys in here with us. Kind of a special, uh, unique Sunday, but awesome to have it all together this morning. Let me ask you a question. You've no doubt probably been reflecting over this past year uh, and looking over the things that took place in your life. Do you believe that this past year you've become a more joyful person. As you look over this last year, 2021, and you ended out and started in 2022, do you feel like you've been a more joyful person this year than the year before? It would stand to reason if God's joy is unending and he gives us his joy, we share in his joy, then our joy can ever increase each year. Maybe I'll ask you another question. As you look past Over this last year, do you feel like you've become a more generous person this last year? Maybe those two are a bit more tied together than we might realize. That's what we're going to look at this morning. If you got your Bibles, you can join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm going to be reading out of the NIV for our younger people in the room this morning. But let me give you a little bit of context before we dive into the middle of this book of the Bible. So in Jerusalem, a Jesus movement had started. Jesus had come, lived a perfect, sinless life. He had died on the cross and was raised again. And then he pulled together his disciples at Pentecost, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they started to go out and share this gospel of hope. And it spread like wildfire. The message continued to spread throughout Jerusalem, and then even greater into Judea, and all over the Roman Empire, it continued to grow and grow. And history tells us that two decades after the church was started, that a severe famine hit the Judean region and especially impacted the church in Jerusalem. A lot of poverty and hardship was taking place there. In fact, Acts chapter 11 records this in verse 27. It says, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Abigail stood up and through the spirit, predicted that severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. So one of those places, one of those churches was Corinth. It was in modern-day Greece, a major trade area. And the church in Corinth heard about this famine, and they had tons of resources. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 16 tells us on their own accord, they decided they wanted to help out the church in Jerusalem. Now, this is completely countercultural at this time. Think of two worlds that just hated each other. And yet now, these Gentiles, these non-Jews, are looking out for the Jewish people in Jerusalem and actually wanting to give their resources up to help them during this famine. So Paul gives them a little plan in 1 Corinthians. He says, okay, every week when you come together, gather your resources up and start to collect a relief offering. Now, it's not like you could just send a wire transfer at this time, right? So they they were going to gather it up, and he would come by later to receive that offering and take it to Jerusalem, which in and of itself would be a pretty significant task. But time had lapsed since that time. Macedonian churches, other churches around that area had already started collecting And Paul gets word back that the Corinthian church has fallen behind. For whatever reason, their offering is not ready. 
Maybe they just had a tough year in fishing that year. Maybe they had had a tough year and they decided to spend their money on a vacation instead of actually giving it to the offering. Maybe they had just had time lapse and they had a good uh, thought to do that at the beginning, but just never took action on it. I'm not sure what it was. But Paul then in 2 Corinthians writes back to him, says, hey, I'm going to be coming through and I don't want you to be caught off guard because if I come and you're not ready, that'd be so disheartening for you because as a church in Corinth, you were the one that initiated this idea. You wanted to do this. It'd be disheartening for me, Paul, because I've told the other churches about your generosity. It'd be disheartening for the church in Jerusalem because this would be greatly uh, helped and appreciative for them there. So that's where we pick it up. In first, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, several times in chapter 8 and in chapter 9, you're going to continue to see this word grace. It's going to continue to describe this offering that they were taking up. And grace is getting something that I don't deserve, something that I am not capable of getting on my own. But grace can also be this special passion, this passion that matches God's heart. So he's given each one of us a unique gifting in the personalities that we have, in in the passions that we have, in our skills and gift sets that we have. And oftentimes he will take his heart and, and match it up to our heart and use our heart to display his heart through our generosity, through our gifts. So there's an author of grace, and we see that in first one for these Macedonian churches. And that author is God. God had given grace to the Macedonian churches, something they didn't deserve and that they weren't capable of doing on their own, and they were able to give. Now, the churches that he's talking about were Thessalonica and Philippi and uh, also uh, Berea. And Philippi had especially fallen on hard times as well. Extreme poverty. In fact, in verse 2, he gives us this equation. Right? Did you see that? Severe trials, extreme poverty equals what? Severe trials plus extreme poverty equals depression. It equals uh, stinginess. It equals a lack of joy. No, what's he say? It equals an overflowing, joyful heart from this Macedonian church. And it also equals rich generosity. It's a reminder to us of this. Generosity is a product of our heart, not a product of our circumstances. Did you get that? Every single one of us has the ability to be generous because generosity is a product of our heart. It's not a product of our circumstances. In fact, within their deep poverty, they still were generous. That means that they were a rich kind of poor people. There could also be a poor kind of rich people that lack generosity in their lives. Verse 3 goes on to say, For I testify that even they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They gave what they could. In fact, they they laid everything out on the table and said, okay, here's all that I have. And in proportion to all that they have, they gave. 
Not just a piece of it. They didn't just toss in a few bucks. In according to all that they had, they gave. But then, not only that, they gave beyond that. They started stretching sacrifice to take out of things that they needed to give to the church. Oftentimes, when you and I give, we look first at what we need, don't we? And then we assess and say, okay, what can I give outside of here so my life's not impacted? But that's not the giving that he's telling us the Macedonians did. In fact, they made sacrifices to give. It tells us that ordinary people, when impacted by God's grace, can live extraordinarily generous lives. Ordinary people, when impacted by God's grace, can live extraordinarily generous lives. Remember, my wife and I, when we were planning to go plant a church, started to fundraise and raise uh, some support for that church. And at first, it just seemed really awkward. I felt like I was going and just asking people for money, and that just seemed awkward until somebody told me something that changed my whole thinking on it and my whole posture on it. They said, Josh, don't ask for money. Tell them about what God is doing and what you're inviting them to join the team on and give them that opportunity. If that's not something that latches on their heart, that's okay. God will provide. You can go on to someone else and share that same opportunity. And those who God strikes up a passion for will join in and give. And so my wife and I sat down and we started making a list of the people that we thought, let's go present this opportunity to you. And on the list, there are several people with lots of resources. And we just figured, you know, they'll probably join in and give a lot to this. And then there are a few other people on that list that we almost thought, we, we don't even want to share this with them because they don't have very many resources and we don't want this to be a burden on them. But we just felt compelled. We'll, we'll present it to everyone and whoever wants to join in can. You know what we were constantly amazed by? Those that we least expected to give, gave. And they gave generously. Because ordinary people, when impacted by God's grace, can live extraordinarily generous lives. That's what's happening to the church in Philippi is they give on their own desire and above and beyond. Verse 5 goes on to say, and they did not do as we expected. They blew Paul away. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he was earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So Paul urges Titus to go back. He had helped them start a system of giving in Corinth. And there he, Titus himself wants to go back and help them come to completion in Corinth and what they desired to do. But did you see what they said? He said the Macedonian church first gave themselves to the Lord. Isn't that where generosity starts? It starts by saying, God, all that I have is yours. Would you please use it? Everything that I have is yours. Would you use it? Verse seven goes on to say, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete eagerness, and in your love for us, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. Because God's nature, the very essence of who God is, is that he's generous. He's a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that when you and I follow Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become a new creation. He gives us a new nature, a nature that reflects that of our Creator. Our God is a giving God, and He desires for us to be a giving people. And Paul continues to encourage them to excel, to grow into that nature, to that giving 
nature. Because Christians wouldn't be very helpful Christians if they didn't reflect God's character and give in the world, would they? Maybe you remember that, that uh, kid's story, the giving tree. This tree that, that would give of all of its resources. This boy would come along and it had apples, so it shared its apples. And then he wanted to build a house, so it shared its branches, so he could build a house. He wanted to build a boat, so it shared its trunk, so he could build a boat. It gave everything down to the point where it shared his stump for, as a seat. Helpful tree. But what if that tree hadn't shared anything? What if it wasn't a giving tree? What if it was an ungiving tree? Maybe it would look a little something like this. Let's take a look at this video. Hey, everybody. Hi. We're going to read a book today. It's called The Ungiving Tree. Well, we're going to read this book, and I want you to ask some questions, because we're going to talk about this book. The Ungiving Tree. Once there was a tree. Da-da-da-da. Once there was a tree that had so much to give, it had branches to climb, it had leaves to jump in, and fruit to eat. But this tree wanted to keep these gifts to himself. That's not very nice. Every autumn, children would come and try to gather the tree's leaves and make piles to climb and play in. <laughs> and the tree would call the police. How would he make a phone? Oh, let's see what it does. Every spring, children would try to climb up this trunk and swing from the branches. That looked fun. And the tree would release his pet python, Larry. What? <laughs> Look at this. Larry ate the little boy. Wow, that tree is mean. The tree decided it had had enough. Well, never again is anyone to climb my branches or rest in my shade. My fruit and my leaves, they are mine, mine, mine. And the tree took all that he had and held it all in for months and years. And soon, hardly anyone remembered the story of the tree that had so much to give. The end. So do you like my book? Well, I thought the whole story was interesting. Doesn't work to eat any of the fruit on top. So what's the purpose of a tree? To climb, gather leaves. Trees give us wood to build some houses. They do. What, Jess, what, what, what are trees supposed to do? Our trees, we wouldn't have any paper. And trees give you fresh air. So are you telling me that it's the nature of a tree to give? Yeah. <laughs> a selfish tree wouldn't be very helpful in the world, would it? And a selfish Christian wouldn't be very helpful in the world either, would they? He goes on to say in verse 8, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through you his poverty, uh, through his poverty you might become rich. God's very nature is to give. 
And he desires for that to be reflected in his children. I wish we had time to go through the entire chapter of verse 8, but we just don't this morning. So if you'll skip with me over to chapter 9 into verse 6, Paul starts to get really practical with some ways that we can give as believers. Verse 6, it says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. All of a sudden, when we hear this, we often think of those televangelists that just want your money, right? So, so you, can, you can gain your wealth and your, 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 uh, all your desires within that. There, there is a truth to, as you are generous with God, he does give you more resources, but not for your own good. He uses the resources to funnel through you into what he's doing. It's not this equation that I sow this and I get stuff for myself. No, it's joining in the work of God. It's kind of like if you have a garden, right? And I go out and I plant seeds into my garden. The more seeds that I plant in the spring, the more plants will come up. The less seeds that I plant, the less uh, plants will come up. So God's saying, sow lots of seeds of generosity. Why? So that his righteousness can be spread throughout the earth. In fact, in verse 7, he goes on to say this, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's telling us that our giving should be thoughtful. It should be intentional. It should be joyful. And it should be motivated by God. It should be prayerful in line with his heart. What it shouldn't be is reluctant or compulsive. I feel like I have to, or I'm going to feel bad, so I'm going to give. Or, or man, I really don't want to give, but I'm going to give anyways. Why? Because that just sucks the joy out of giving. Now, I could tell you a lot of good stories about giving, but I'm going to tell you one that's a little embarrassing. Back when I was in college, uh, I got to go on a missions trip with several other college students. We got to play on sports teams and travel around Mexico, and we would play a team, and then afterwards we would share the gospel. We had other musicians that were traveling with us, and they would, they would play music, and then we would share the gospel. And we got to travel all over. It was a blast. We were having a great time, and having a great time with the people there and being able to share the gospel. I remember one of our stops, we went to an orphanage. We had taken these gifts, and we were having a party with them, and it was a great time. A really simple orphanage, with not a lot there. I remember feeling this little boy come up and tug on my shirt, and then point to a bracelet that I had. I could tell pretty soon that he wanted the bracelet on my arm, but I didn't want to give it to him. So I just pretended like I didn't know Spanish, which wasn't really that far off, even though I knew exactly what he wanted and kind of walked away. Later on, he found me again, kind of tugged on my shirt and pointed to the bracelet. Again, I kind of found my way out. And, and just as we're leaving, again, I see him, and he's kind of looking at me. So I reluctantly pull this bracelet off and give it to him. Now, you may remember there was a trend a long time back with a bracelet. You started seeing these bracelets on NBA players and on celebrities, and everybody had these bracelets. In fact, it was the same one that I was wearing that day. And this bracelet had four letters on it. Can you guess what letters might have been on that bracelet? W-W-J-D. I'm sure Jesus wouldn't have wanted to give a bracelet in an orphanage, right? So I wasn't that far off. No, I reluctantly gave it. You know what? It sucked all the joy out of giving. You know why? Because I thought it was mine. But when we realize that all of our stuff is God's, we can give joyfully. 
Because it's way more fun to give God stuff than the stuff we think is mine that we hang on to. In fact, Bob Goff said it this way, I used to think that God just wants my stuff, but now I realize that my stuff is his stuff. We see this in scripture, Psalms 24, one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So we're not supposed to give reluctantly or compulsively. I wonder, do you view your stuff as my stuff or do you view it as God's stuff? When our kids were young, we would constantly tell them, these are God's toys that he's allowing you to play with. So share them generously. When we realize that the things that we have are really God's, there's so much more joy in giving them. He also says at the end of this verse that we're not to give reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. Now we know from the rest of the scripture that this isn't that God has more affection for you if you give. His giving is not based on your performance or anything that you can give. The word love here, you could, you could picture as delight. God delights in a cheerful giver. In fact, when you give, it gives, and you give joyfully, you give cheerfully, it brings God joy. And you know what else? It brings you even more joy as well. He goes on to verse 8. And God, who is able to make all grace abound in you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will get wealthy and rich and be able to get whatever you want, right? Is that what it says at the end of this verse? No, it says, you will abound in every good work. I think he's trying to make a point. There's a few alls in here. God has all the resources that we need to accomplish his work here on earth. His desire is that we would be a funnel for those resources that our lives would cultivate his goodness and spread it on to others around us. In fact, he goes on to talk about that in verse 9. And he, as he quotes from Psalms 112, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He's talking about the supplier who supplies bread for food. In, in other words, God's saying, I will take care of you. I'll take care of your needs. But as you constantly live generously, I will give you resources also to be able to live generously with. Why? For righteousness. Helps us to understand what righteousness means when we look at this verse. Righteousness is not just some moral standing. Righteousness is a standard of a right relationship. It always takes relationships for righteousness to unfold. So it's, it's the idea of a character that is demonstrated through a relationship. Or, or I could say it this way. A behavior that works itself out in a relationship to put things as God intended them to be. So I could be a righteous father. What that means is that I am using my behavior, my actions, my resources in my relationship with my kids to put that relationship in a place as God intended it to be. And that gets very specific in each one of our lives in different ways. Maybe at times it means that I'm sitting down, I'm giving my time reading to my kids, or I'm going into the backyard. At times it means I'm protecting my kids or providing for my kids. It's righteousness continues to work out to have a right relationship as God intends that to be. It's the same thing in your work. 
in the righteousness of your relationships. It's, it's putting things in the way that God intended them to be. And so as God blesses us and gives us resources, that is to be used to put things as he intends them to be. Verse 11, he says, you will be made rich. Or maybe your translation says, says be enriched. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Why does he do this? So that you can be focused in every step along with God and what he's doing and use his resources followed through your life to accomplish his work in this world. Why? So that others will thank him and so that others will give him praise. Paul goes on to say that later in verse 13. So I wonder, could 2022 be a year that you become a more generous person, a more joyful person? I think one of the ways that starts is not by waiting to become rich or have more, but it's taking a look at everything they have right now and just saying, God, it's yours. I'm ready to take what you've given me and live generously right here, right now, starting today. And every day that I wake up, I continue to say, God, it is yours. You can use your stuff however you'd want. Maybe to illustrate this a little bit more, I'm going to have my wife come up and help me out. This may be geared a little more towards the kids in the room. But this really kind of gets me excited. So uh, Julie, this is my wife, Julie, if you haven't met her. And boy, Julie, you know what I'm getting ready for, what I'm excited about? Uh, I don't know, Josh, run a marathon? Why are you stretching? I'm about ready to unfold a masterful work of art because some people have been saying, you know, that my art is kind of like Picasso. Oh. Maybe uh, uh, more like uh, Van Gogh. Well. Bob Ross. Uh, well, stick man Joe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I draw a mean go. stick man. Yeah. It's so okay. I like so stick man. I'm ready to uh, <laughs> kind of work my art out in, in this, this story. And Ju- okay. Julie, this story is going to take place in Luke chapter 21. So if okay. you want to put Luke chapter 21 right up there. Luke chapter 20. And it will resolve all back where we just started in 2 Corinthians 9. Seven. So far, it's very exciting. It is very exciting. So you want to start with Luke chapter 21 and read verse 1. Yes. What's it say? All right. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So our story starts with Jesus and his disciples and the temple that you've started there. The temple. So I'm going to draw the temple, and our story also starts with God. Because right. every story starts well, with God. Jesus is so God. So I'll let you do that later. Right. I'm going to draw right this here. temple. Now, kids, what's really kind of neat is God wanted to be with his people. He created us to live with us. He actually created this world so we would have a place to live with him. But after we sinned and we got kicked out of the garden. That's a nice temple. Thank you. He uh, wanted to continue to have place to dwell with his people. And so he asked them to build this temple where his presence would go and live with them. It was a beautiful temple. It reflected kind of the aspects of the garden and this beauty that was found in living with him. Have you been practicing? I mean, that's got a lot of detail. You know, some stairs. You don't want to fall down the temple. I uh, have just naturally this gifted with this incredible artwork here. I think I'm about done. How are you doing? Oh, I'm almost there. Whoa, what, Julie, what all are you drawing here? This uh, is 12 a, disciples. 12 disciples. It might oh, be 13. So this then is Jesus? 
Kind of looks like the international sign for bathroom. Oh, I know. It was a lot of pressure to drop I think I got an idea. I think I got this. And all these people. <laughs> oh, yeah, a beard. Why didn't I think of that? Nailed it. Okay, all right. Well, your temple needs a little bit it of... It does need a little bit, little so let's spruce it up a little. So it's some, like, got some beauty. Green plants or something. It's a happy day in the temple. Happy little tree over here. Okay. There you go. And... That's oh, beautiful. That looks Aww, pretty good. Hey, do side. you also want to write God over on this side? No, I already nope. wrote God. Oh, on you that did side. on that side. You got it. Okay. So, what else happens in our story? Okay. Well, you're talking about he saw the rich giving. Oh, oh. in he saw treasury, the rich like giving. So, boxes. in the temple, there were all these places where they could go and give their offering. Now, they would bring different offering to the temple. Sometimes they'd bring animals or food. Sometimes they'd bring money. And the offerings looked like these upside down trumpet things. In fact, in one oh. of the courts, it tells us there were 13 of those. Kind of hard to draw. I don't know how to draw. So, maybe just get creative oh, wait, and draw idea. a different thing. Okay. I'm going to draw okay. the rich guy that is coming to give okay. here. So. It, it was. Uh, Ryan gave me this thought in his, in his okay. welcome message. So I think this will work. Okay. I, I got to apologize to the real artists in the room. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that, that a lot. <laughs> I forgive you. Oh. Okay, that's okay. the rich guy. This is the rich guy. Okay. Now, there are why some families that, probably that played why does some it look so familiar? mean board games. Over what? Christmas, and if what that's that? you, you know exactly what I'm drawing. Because oh, it's the Monopoly man. Somebody said it. Somebody else that earlier is just said like it the rich looked guy. like the Pringles guy. I'll take that too. Either one works. Pringles makes me hungry. So he was giving okay. his gifts in the offering. Now, it yes. says they were rich. So he had some, but maybe he had a lot more. So maybe let's draw some of his riches. Let's okay. do a little competition with it. A you draw one, and then I'll draw another, and we'll see uh, who's is better. All right, ready? You lost me a competition. Okay, so, um, let's see. I got an idea. Um, okay, I got an idea. All right. Don't look. Yeah, don't, don't peek over to... here. This is going to turn. So far, sorry, you look like the on-giving tree. Amazing. <laughs> Wait, Does, do trees, like money, really grow on trees? I don't that, think so. I think that's a myth. Wait, no, but I think it does. Okay. Like there's like a money tree. All right, I'm about right. done here. How are you doing? Somebody up there agrees with me. Yep. All right. Let's see okay. here. You ready? Yeah, mine's okay, real wait. simple. You don't have to wait, be. Wait, mine's almost done. You, you don't can't have to be so elaborate. perfection. Oh. Wait. Okay. I think you're going to win this competition. Three, two, one, Go. Oh, yeah, a money bag. That makes, that well, makes sense. That okay. makes perfect sense. What is yeah. the pig? It's, it's for my, my bills, my cheddar, my Benjamins, my stacks, a cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> it's a piggy okay. bank. Well, what are the, like, the bubbles above oh, the piggy bank? He's making it rain, right? It's, oh. it's all the gold, gold coins coming in. Okay. I've always wondered, why do we put money in a pig? Yeah. And why does money have an S for its symbol? These are the questions of life. But we are not here to Wait, address okay. those. Okay. I, I think it's a tie. Let's try again. Let's, Let's try, try again. again. Okay, I I'm going to be, I didn't know we were going to be so detailed. So okay. I'm going to add more detail this time. Don't look. All I don't right. want you to cheat. So the rich had all of this treasure they were giving in the temple. This is so This has excellent. turned out to be some of my best work yet. No, don't, don't. Are okay. you copying me? Nope. 
Well, are you about ready? I'm about totally done? going to win this one. All right, wait. Wait, hold on. I need hold more on. space for Ooh, this creation. Not yet. Okay. All right. This. Wait, it's almost done. Finish, finishing. Perfect. Pieces. Okay. All right. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. Oh, a treasure chest. Nice. I think I win. I mean, yours is pretty good. Well, what? Like garbage bags? No, I mean bags of stuff, you know? So this is like my toys, oh. this is my clothes. It's like all my treasure in bags. I guess it all kind of ends up in garbage bags one day I anyway. Get, well, so, maybe, okay. maybe that's what the S stands for, stuff. All right, so these guys were giving their things at the temple. Now, some people, when they give, they just want to give so everyone sees them give, right? That's right. In fact, Matthew chapter 6 kind of talks a, lo a little bit it. about okay. this. Will you read right. that, Julie? Yes, this is really good. All right, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Sorry, don't mind me. I'm just giving my offering. Keep going, please. Okay. Don't um, let me bother you. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, Ooh. as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. Hey, just keep going. Don't mind me. You want me to read this or not? Yeah, yeah. Keep go, go Okay. Go okay. I just have a little bit of money to okay. give. So when you give to the needy... Are you oh. finished? Oh, um, almost. You're and going everywhere. Okay, oh, okay wrap okay, it up. Okay. I'm done. okay. You, Keep, what were you saying there? Okay. All right. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Oh, yeah. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, what are you doing? Uh, well, is this like a spy giving or something? What, what's that mean? I just think you're making it dramatic. Oh. I think it's just like, don't care what other people think, only care what God thinks when uh, you give. So I don't give for others to see, I'm giving for God. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I mean, there were some other guys that would have been hanging around the temple, and it kind of seems like they would have kind of fit in that category. In fact, just before Luke 20, in Luke chapter 20, uh, 21, just before Luke 21 and Luke chapter 20, it talks about these guys. Will you read that? I can't yeah. talk right now. Okay. okay. I got it. Luke 20, 45 through 47. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, beware of the teachers of the law. Is, is that what you're drawing? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. They like to walk around in flowing robes. Wait, you, you, you say flo flowing yeah, robes? Yeah, flowing okay. robes. All right. Okay. And they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Oh, they devour widows' houses. Ooh. And for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So those are the, the guys. All right, so I got the teachers of the law here. What is the They've thing got on their head? Some, you know, cool hats on the top. Can you see that? Everybody can tell what those How are. How did you I'm even sure. know to draw that? Well, I've been studying Oh, so they got their arms crossed too. That's they, uh, good They job. look kind of reluctant and compulsive a little bit. Um, compulsive? And they're about, I think they're about done, do you All right. think? Yep. Oh, compulsive. Yeah, Compulsion. like the kind of guys that would say, I'll give if I have to. You know, those kind of guys. All those right. are big words. And reluctant, the guy that's like, I'll give, but I really don't want to. Right? Okay. Right. But remember, God told Wait, us. Wait, these guys are missing something. Oh, they are. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, this will complete it for sure. Ready? Three, two, one. Nailed it. Awesome. Okay. It's complete. 
So we're not to be givers that are compulsion and not reluctant givers. We're supposed okay. to have a heart that's a little bit different. In fact, what's our story continues? Oh, there is somebody else that he talks about here. Will you draw it for me? Sure. Okay, it's a, a poor widow. He says, he also saw a poor widow put in two... Wait, two gazillion dollars. No. Higher or lower? Lower. lower. Okay. Two million dollars. The two thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, no, listen. He saw a poor widow put in two very small copper oh, coins. That's right. Maybe you can finish this. I'll finish widow her here. up. That's right. Those coins would have been the smallest money that they had at that time. In fact, the Bible tells us that she was extremely poor. So poor that, like, if she had worked five minutes at minimum wage, that's how much she would have made. Yikes. Not much at all. But God is looking at something different in her giving. So you got the widow there. She's a happy little giver. She's a happy giver. You know what? He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave out of their gifts, out of their wealth their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She, she put in all that she had to live on. Wow. So in fact, it's not really about what they give. It's more kind of like what they didn't give. In fact, God is looking at something very different. He's not looking at all that we could give. He's wanting the heart of what we give. In fact, that kind of reminds us of our verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver, or God delights in a cheerful giver. So what that means for us kids is I don't have to try to wait to be rich to give. I can look at what I have right now, and I can give out of what I have right now. And that isn't even always money. I can use my skills to give to God too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like nunchuck skills, uh, bull hunting skills, uh, computer hacking skills. Well, maybe not those skills. Maybe, maybe, maybe more like skills like my, my helping skills, like my listening oh, skills, like those skills my caring too. about other people's skills, or even some of the ways that I am just wired and gifted that I could use for other people. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, or how young you are, or how rich you are, or how poor you are, we all have something that we can give to contribute to God. And when we do that with a joyful heart, it makes God smile. Kind of like this video here. Take a look at this. How old are you? 97. I'll be 98 in October. <laughs> I live in a retirement community. And we used to have a bus here to take people to the grocery store twice a week. And they gave that bus up, I don't know why. So a lot of people were stuck around here. Like my neighbor Joyce, who was a very shy person. She said to me, well, if they don't get another bus, they'll find another place for me to live. And she said, I just don't wanna go anywhere else. I said, Joyce, I'll get you to the grocery store every week. But I lost my driver's license because somebody thought I was too old. But I didn't have a mark against me at all. 
I was heartbroken at that. I really was. It made me feel old. It made me feel useless. I am a good driver. I really am. I, I'm not fearful when I drive, but I'm very careful. Are you a hot and, No. Drag well, I drive 65, but I obey the rules, so I went to get it back. You make a promise, it's important for me to, to keep that promise if it's possible. And I passed it. <laughs> I'm on the earth, I'm here. If I can contribute, I should. Shouldn't we all? And not just think of ourselves? It's supposed to get real cold. Like I say, I don't have money to give, but I can give myself and my time. A lot of people in the world who don't have anybody who cares about them. So that's the way I felt. <laughs> We're asked to love our neighbor, be a friend. That will give you joy. I mean, I don't do this so you think I'm great. I don't even think of that. My daughter says, Mother, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And I say, well, okay. And like I say, I do what I please. I wouldn't do anything dangerous, but, you know. How about a cup of tea? Would you like a cup of tea and a muffin? God, thank you for being such a generous God. Thank you for being such a giving God. Thank you for the way that you invite us to join you on mission. Thank you for your graciousness to us. God, I pray as we look forward to this year, God, would you help us to become a more generous people, a more joyful people. God, would you help us to start each day by just giving you what we have, and looking for ways to serve others with the resources that you have so richly blessed us with. What a good God you are. We pray this in Jesus' name.